You know we got to do a mic check when we coming in this hot. Welcome back and welcome in. It is episode 18 of Reteaching the Game, and I am stoked to be back with you guys. As always, I am your main man, Ethan Noroff. And before we even get into today's episode, we got to stop and we got to deliver a shout out. That's right. A shout out to my man, Dan Lebetard, ESPN. If you have not heard what he has to say in the wake of the send her back chance that Donald Trump stood there in silence and allowed to happen. You need to stop what you're doing. You need to pause this podcast. You need to go to Twitter. You can find it on my feed at Ethan underscore Noroff and watch the brilliant and articulate and eloquent and a hundred percent accurate response that Dan Lebetard gave. And I am so glad that he chose to do it because not only is he a hundred percent correct, But real change, especially in this society, will not happen through silence. Okay, for those of you who are trying to not be exhausted by the process, you don't like what you're hearing, you don't like what you're seeing, so you stay silent, this is not the time to fall silent. This is the time to speak up. This is the time to use your voice. This is the time to create change. Okay, we were given the ability to communicate, to open our mouths and speak, right? Not to sit there, know something is wrong and do nothing about it. Shout out to Dan Lebetard. On episode 18, it's all about taking the masks off, just like Mr. Lebetard did. We're going to get into the Russell Westbrook-Chris Paul swap. I haven't had a chance to talk about that with you guys, so you know there's a multitude of angles we got to hit on that platform. Moving beyond that, we got to talk about putting the future before the present, and this is a big one for me. Yes, there will be ties to basketball. Of course, that's what we do here on Reteaching the Game, but this is a big one in this society as we struggle to stay present and in the moment, myself included in this, okay? We have to stop thinking about things before they happen and exhaust ourselves mentally, right? Before things actually happen. We just have to enjoy the process because that's what will yield the desired results, okay? Once the moment is over, it's gone. That's it. Time is the only investment we can never get back. Something to think about on your day-to-day, whether it's basketball, life, or anything in between. We're going to hit investing to sell the New York Knicks story. I want to revisit some of the deals that they did with these free agents and some of the optionality it gives them as a result. And then finally, we're going to hit you with that little bit of motivation at the end. That's what we like to do, right? We're going to call that the cost of authenticity. And I got a little bit to say about that. So stick around for that one, right? This Westbrook Chris Paul trade at the time it happened. Okay. At the time it happened, I remember reading it being surprised. I wouldn't say shocked, right? We knew a Russell Westbrook trade was on the horizon. We just didn't know it would be this Russell Westbrook trade that was about to happen. So I was surprised for sure. But then I sat there and I read it and I read it again and I read it a third time. And I said, you know what? Yeah, it's Chris Paul. Yeah, it's Russell Westbrook. And yeah, there are big names involved. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's kind of a swap of big names and not much else. And let me tell you why, right? Of course, at this stage of their careers, I would rather have Russell Westbrook than Chris Paul, right? I don't think that's arguable in any sense of the in the vacuum evaluation. But as we've talked about prior on the last episode and a few prior to that, so go back. If you haven't listened to those episodes, if you're a new subscriber, make sure you listen to the last few as well, because we hit on this theme previously, okay? Life and especially basketball, decisions can't be judged in a vacuum. They have to be judged in context, right? So with this Westbrook trade, now he's officially a member of the Houston Rockets. James Harden has a new running mate. And we have all this discussion as a result, right? When the trade first happened, 
I want to rewind back to that point because when the trade first happened, after the initial wave one analysis, we got these wave two and wave three reports, media takes, et cetera, et cetera. One such report was that OKC was preparing to move Russell Westbrook next season. They were going to hit, quote unquote, the reset button. I'm sorry. But this kind of planted information really gets lost on me, especially in a scenario like this where there is no way to prove it and even less evidence to suggest it was coming. Okay, Russell Westbrook wasn't even on the trade block until Paul George forced his way out of OKC. So can we be real for a second? Because I'm tired of the garbage. I really am. And more importantly than all of that, it's really a disservice to Westbrook who gave his heart and soul to that franchise and didn't want to leave, right? Not that he was forced out, but he really didn't want to leave and wouldn't have left had Paul George not get that ball rolling with Kawhi Leonard. Let's be very, very clear, okay? So this idea that OKC was getting ready to move on from Russell Westbrook, please, that's garbage, Okay, we were talking about before this trade happened, who would even want Westbrook's contract with $170 million owed to him coming off of the third, fourth knee surgery, whatever it is, right? How will his game age highly athletic? Okay, there was no conversation about this whatsoever. There was no evidence to suggest it was coming. Nothing from nobody, never. Stop it. So just stop it with that. Okay, stop it. The fact that the Rockets had to pay this price for Westbrook, right? We all sat here and we said, ah, oh, Chris Paul, that contract, three years, 120 plus million dollars. Nobody wants to touch that with a 10-foot pole. It's that ugly. Muy fail. Right? The fact that the Rockets were able to move off that contract, of course, it's a win, right? That specific element is a win. But desperation can be a reflection of supply and demand. And Daryl Morey, man, he loves to chase the stars. And after the Jimmy Butler non-pursuit didn't work out, I know that was a real shocker, right? Real shocker indeed. After that didn't work out, Daryl Morey was desperate, right? When's the next star going to become available? And when's the next star who's actually played with Russell Westbrook or who's actually played with James Harden in Russell Westbrook Right. When's that player going to become available? Because Kevin Durant's going to sit out the year and he just signed a four year deal with the Nets. Serge Ibaka. Well, we don't really want him. Kendrick Perkins out the league. Right. You see where I'm going with this? Jeff Green's a role player now. Okay. so this Westbrook Harden pairing, there's a familiarity there. Okay. but this is really a reflection of supply and demand. Because the fact that Maury had to give up two future first round picks that are way out there and two first round swaps. There was a little bit of, you know, I don't want to say playing with somebody else's money, but I feel like playing with somebody else's money because Daryl Morey might figure that, hey, I might be out of here before these picks ever become part of the conversation and before they convey. So I'm not mad about making this move now because it's really not going to impact my future, right? And in terms of a basketball fit, Right. Russell Westbrook and James Harden, that's a hell of a backcourt. That's as dynamic as pretty much anyone in the NBA. However, right, a lot of people are going to sit here, myself being at the forefront of this line and say, hey, Russell Westbrook is not the same fit as Chris Paul. He's not the same shooter. Right. He's not the same player off the ball necessarily. And he might not be willing to accept that role that Chris Paul sort of slid into. Okay. Then there's the other side that said, well, Harden and Westbrook can start together and then you can stagger them throughout the game. 
And then as a result, you have at least one MVP on the floor at all times. Cool, I get that too. But no matter which side of the argument you're on, I feel like most people, if not everybody, is sitting here saying, well, now we know for sure Chris Paul and James Harden actually hated each other. Which, eh, I don't know about that. Okay? Not only do you still have James Harden sitting here saying this actually isn't happening, right? This isn't true. But on top of that, right, Westbrook wasn't even going to be available until the Paul George trade went down, okay? So to sit here and say, oh, the Russell Westbrook acquisition is proof that Chris Paul wasn't a good fit with James Harden and they actually hated each other, I don't really buy into that. It can be true that Chris Paul and James Harden didn't get along and they might not have been a good fit, this, this, that, the other. That could all be true. But to validate it using the Russell Westbrook acquisition specifically, right, there's a disconnect there for me. So I want to be clear on that. And my friends, in this, in this industry, that is what we call a segue, because now we're going to get into James Harden. And here's the deal with James Harden, right? Hell of a player. Hell of a player. Does things offensively that make you sit there, shake your head, and go, how do you do that? Right? There is a definite, definite skill to this. I don't love the way James Harden plays basketball, but I respect what he's capable of doing. Mike D'Antoni, right, he loves James Harden. James Harden is Steve Nash on steroids, on creatine, on pre-workout with some more steroids chalked in there from Steve Nash back in the day, right? That's James Harden for Mike D'Antoni. And really, James Harden has extended Mike D'Antoni's coaching career and given him a new branch to his legacy that might not have existed otherwise, okay? Mike D'Antoni was recently on the Woj pod. And if you're not a subscriber to the Woj pod, I don't even know what you're doing. Because if you're subscribing here, you better be subscribing there, right? Shout out Woj. Don't worry, man. I got you. I'll get your subs up. You get my subs up. We'll do this thing together. And so D'Antoni, right, on the Woj pod, and I had to listen to this more than once to make sure that I got it correct. On the Woj pod, Mike D'Antoni said the following about James Harden. James Harden is, quote, probably the best offensive talent to ever play the game, end quote. Wow. That is not going to be met with a lot of agreement, wouldn't you say? Right? I could see all the MJ guys coming out saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. All the Kobe crowd saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right? And the list goes on from there. There is no doubt that James Harden does things offensively that make you say, wow. But to sit here and say probably the best offensive talent to ever play the game, well, it's subjective, okay? And I feel these best of discussions, and I've talked about this for a long time in conversation with my friends and passing, whatever it might be. These best of discussions, they're really a reflect, they're a reflection of the context in which we grow up and what we're accustomed to, right? Let me use an example. All my students now. They think Stephen Curry is the greatest basketball player of all time. And Steph Curry, when it's all said and done, he might very well be the greatest shooter ever. And in fact, I feel pretty confident that he will be. Okay? But I don't think he's the greatest player I've ever seen play basketball. But that's reflective of the context in which I grew up and what I'm accustomed to, the style and brand of basketball that I'm accustomed to. So when you sit here and say, ah, would 90s Jordan beat Steph Curry in the 2010 and after era, right? 
it's a totally different style of game. It's a totally different style of NBA basketball, and it's a totally different context from which we judge. Michael Jordan took a lot of fadeaway long twos, mid-range twos, right? That's like forbidden in today's NBA. You take a mid-range two and your coach wants to sit you on the bench. What are you doing out there? Well, coach, I had an open shot. You should have backed it up 10 feet and taken the three. What are you doing? Sit down. So I think we have to be considerate when we were talking about the best of, best ever, this era, that era, right? Everybody wants to be right or wrong. It's, it's not real. It's not how the world works. It's never just black or white. There's a lot of stuff that happens in between, and you got to be okay with that. Okay, I love certainties, and I love being yes or no, left or right, up or down. I get it. But not everything is going to be that clear in the process. And that's an important thing to understand. If you want to don't want to outright embrace it, sure, I get that. It's difficult to deal with uncertainty, right? It is hard. But you have to be okay with it because not everything will present a certain answer. Man, we are just killing the segues right now. Okay? Putting the future before the present. I teased this at the start of the episode. We do this all the time. Right? We're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Right? Do I have to go to the grocery store on Wednesday? I pick up the dry cleaning on Friday. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if, what if? Right? You start telling yourself stories and you get so trapped inside your own mind. You're like, get me out of here already. Okay, It's so important that we enjoy the present because once the present is gone, that's it. It's the past. Right? That's why the presence is a gift. That's why they call it a present. I know that's a cheesy quote, but just stick with me on that. And when it comes to basketball specifically, right? because we use that as a lens for life here. I see all these Lakers fans that are already worried about Anthony Davis's free agency. The dude has not even played a game for the Lakers, not even a preseason game, not even a practice. And we're already worried about his free agency next summer. I'm sorry, can I live for five minutes? Can I just enjoy Anthony Davis being a Laker for five minutes? And I'm not comparing Anthony Davis as a player or the situation to Dwight Howard, but this gives me flashbacks to Dwight Howard, right? We talked about his free agency the entire year, and he wound up leaving. And nobody really enjoyed it. I mean, in fact, to be fair, I don't even think Dwight Howard enjoyed his tenure as a Laker. But that's a different story. Okay, the Anthony Davis era figures to be a lot different. So all these Lakers fans are already worried about AD's free agency. And if you're not subscribed to my other podcast, remember, I'm the lead host for the Hoopball Lakers podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere where you stream audio, right? You got to hit that subscribe button. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, please. I was joined recently on the last episode by Darius Soriano of Form Blue and Gold. If you have not listened to it, go ahead, take a listen. Lakers fans, you'll love it. Okay, Darius is a very smart dude. And we spoke about this exact thing. Okay. I'm sorry, but Anthony Davis and LeBron James, like, I'm going to sit down and make that appointment viewing for the next 82 games at least, right? At least. And you figure that there will be more. And even if you're one of those people who's already like, ah, but Anthony Davis is going to be a free agent in a weak free agent class. He could really stand out, blah, 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 right? You want to play the other side of the card? Okay, let me flip it back over. Not only does AD have significant financial incentive to stay in Los Angeles long term, But do you really think that LeBron James would be pushing this button, slamming this button as hard as he has been if he wasn't confident in the future? Not only does LeBron seem to have the endorsement, 
but they also share an agent in Rich Paul, the Clutch Connection, right? He, Anthony Davis was on LeBron's HBO show months before the trade ever became materialized and actualized, right? So if you want to play that game, I'll, I'll sit here and play it with you, but only for a limited amount of time. Because right now, I'm enjoying Anthony Davis as a Los Angeles Laker. We have a top five player on my favorite team. I don't care what your favorite team is. You have to learn to enjoy that. So enjoy the moment and value the moment because once it's gone, it's gone forever. Okay, I cannot even explain how important that is in life. Yes, sometimes things run a little late or yes, sometimes things don't work out as you anticipate. But you know what? That's part of the experience. And ultimately, that's how we learn not only about things, not only about people, but about ourselves, right? We don't control everybody's actions, but we can control our responses to them. And my response to this conversation will be, you know what? I'm going to enjoy Anthony Davis and LeBron James right now, and I'll get back to you on the other stuff later, okay? Speaking of later, the New York Knicks have been slammed this offseason. I've sat here and slammed them myself, right? Deservedly so. But I want to revisit this just briefly in this idea of investing to sell, right? Recently, I got named HOA president of my condo complex. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You're far too kind. But the reality is this is a job that's taught me a lot and it's paid me zero dollars. Okay. If you subscribe to the idea of purpose, which we do here, then somebody's got to do this job and I'm happy to do it. So recently I became HOA president and we've had a big issue in our community about people who want to buy property strictly for investment, strictly for business purposes in order to rent it out. And the reason I bring it up is because it feels like the Knicks might have a similar ideology in mind. Let me elaborate. At the time the deals were reported, you know, the Wayne Ellingtons of the world, the Taj Gibsons, et cetera, et cetera. We heard that there were team options on year two. Okay, you're locked in for one year, no problem. But then we found out that there actually aren't team options, right? Bobby Portis is actually the only player with a a team option for the following season. The rest of these guys have partial guarantees in year two. We'll call that the the J.R. Smith, shall we say, or the George Hill, right? We saw some players this offseason actually ha- actually have partial guarantees, whether it's year two or year three. And I think it's going to become more prevalent, right? Trevor Ariza got a two-year $25 million from the Sacramento uh, two-year $25 million deal from the Sacramento Kings. And everyone's, myself included, said, wow, that feels like a lot of money. Then come to find out he's only guaranteed $1.8 million in the second year. Okay. So really it's about one year and $14 million commitment if we want to look at it like that. Okay. So these partial guarantees, what they allow for is greater flexibility, right? So if you're the Knicks and you sit here and you say, okay, Taj Gibson has really played well for us. He's exceeded our expectations. He clearly does not have a future on this team, but he's been a useful player in the process. Now he's got a partial guarantee in in year two. Now he might become a more attractive trade chip as a result, right? Because a team that acquires him for the rest of the season could say, okay, let's see how we play this out. We're only on the hook for a million dollars or so on the back end. And if he plays well, we can always pick up that option, right? So I understand why the Knicks structured it like that. And I think that's actually not a bad idea. I still wouldn't have signed all these veterans. I still would have used the cap space in a different manner, okay? But it's not a bad idea because by giving the partial guarantee, right? You're securing the asset 
And you also reserve the right to flip it later after you're done. And I hate to talk about players as assets or as pieces, but in a business context, that's the reality of it. Okay, there is a human component to this game. And if you know anything about me or this podcast, you know that side of it is very real for me. But in terms of straight business, we're talking about moving pieces and return on investment. And finally, to bring this podcast home, right, I want to talk to you guys about the cost of authenticity. When we first started this podcast, I used to give you guys TED Talks, watch this, listen to that, et cetera, et cetera. And we did that a little bit today with the shout out to Dan Levitard. And I'm telling you, you got to watch this dude and what he has to say. But recently, I've tried to deliver something a little bit more from my heart, something that's unique to me. And I think it's vibing with y'all. So I'm going to continue down that trajectory. So this cost of authenticity, okay? About a year ago, maybe a little longer, I heard a great quote. The quote is, when you ask for real, you better be ready for real in return. Right? It sounds like such a simple concept. But the reality is, most people say, hey, man, be real with me. What you think about this? And then if that second party is actually real with them, especially if it's in a moment of disagreement, it can become contentious, uncomfortable, or both. But if you ask for real, you better better be ready for real in return. And the reason I bring this up, okay, we ask our athletes to be so authentic. Can they just be real people? Can you just give a, hey, you know what? There's an opportunity here for criticism, right? There's an opportunity here for this. There's an opportunity here for that. All I ask all of us is that when you are re- when you are asking for real, you got to be ready for real in return. And the cost of authenticity is actually driving us further away from athletes. Okay, we're in an age of social media where we've never been able to connect with athletes and prominent people with such ease. But the vitriol that it's often met with or when the response isn't what we anticipate or what we expect or what we think is the right thing, it drives a wedge in between party A and party B that's greater than what would be otherwise case in point david west and if you listen to this podcast you should know who that is just in case you don't david west longtime nba veteran been out of league for a couple years now okay retired but he's very outspoken very articulate very intelligent and what i respect most about david is that he's not afraid to make his opinion known even when it's difficult or uncomfortable to do so The other morning, I happened to see David West responded to a tweet. The Ringer posted an article all about the big three. And if you're not watching the big three, I highly suggest. It's entertaining stuff. Okay. And the Ringer teased the article as follows. Have you ever wondered what would happen if a seven-time NBA All-Star played in a three-on-three league against a a bunch of washed retirees? ISO Joe has you covered. And it's about how Joe Johnson is basically killing it in the big three. The big three wants to be an established league. It is striving to be more than the YMCA nostalgia. It wants to be treated as a real, true place for athletes to go as an alternative to NBA, whether it's following their NBA careers or just as an alternative. Okay. They've dismissed Lamar Odom, Bonzi Wells, Jermaine O'Neal, and Baron Davis because none of those guys were in shape to play to sort of send a message. Now, David West's response to this tweet was great. Let me read it to you verbatim. It's that good. 
Ever wondered what would happen if an unaccomplished sports hack wrote an article demeaning and dismissing the careers of men who have reached heights in their profession he will never reach in his own? Whoo, man. Stray fire from Mr. West, and there's nothing wrong with it. Because what he said there is 100% true. We ask people to be authentic. That is authenticity. And the sooner that we understand that being authentic will not always lead to desirable outcomes, the more people will be unafraid to do so. We shouldn't meet disagreement with contention. We should understand the why. And then if there's disagreement, it can be amicable. And then you move on. That's the great part about it. But it takes two parties, at least, who are willing to communicate openly and honestly with each other without getting their feelings hurt for that to happen. And that, my friends, is the more difficult part. The second leg of this is very simple. We ask our athletes to be authentic. We want them to be real when they speak. We don't want to be fed garbage. Danny Ainge, stop feeding us basura. Stop giving me papers that I can put in my round filing bin. For you to sit here and say the Celtics plan A was Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor, that is an insult to Celtics fans. It is an insult to the basketball community. Okay? At best, and I mean at best, Kemba and Cantor was a plan E. Because plan A was Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis. Then when it became clear that Kyrie Irving wasn't going to stick around or probably wasn't going to stick around, it became Anthony Davis. Then when Anthony Davis looked like he was on his way to the Lakers, the Celtics said, well, maybe we can keep Kyrie and Horford, right? That went out the window. Then when Kyrie was gone, it was maybe just Horford, right? Then that went to Philly and Kemba and Cantor entered the picture. So to sit here and say Kemba and Cantor was plan A, but then we get reports that the Celtics are privately pissed off because they felt that Al Horford was tampered with despite the fact they had an agreement with Kemba Walker like a week before free agency even started. It's basura. And someone has to say it. So be real. And if you ask for real, be ready for real in return. And you yourself need to be authentic. Don't be afraid of what other people will think if you're just being yourself. Because in life, you're never going to please everybody. There's always going to be somebody who doesn't like you for things you can't control or just because you have the confidence to be the individual that that person does not. Do not let those people limit you. Do not let those people define you. And do not let those people have a direct impact on the life that you want to live because that is your life and nobody else's. 26 and a half minutes, almost 27. Couldn't be more pumped to have this audience, all y'all with me. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate the love. Until next time in episode 19, you already know. We out.